Well, good morning. God is good? And all the time. Glad that you chose to worship with us today. My name is John. If you don't happen to know who I am, I'm blessed to serve as the pastor here. And we are in week three of our regeneration series. And I am thankful for uh, the men and the women who have been courageous enough to come up here on stage and share their story. Aren't you thankful for men and women who have showed courage the last few weeks? Can we give them a hand? I just want to celebrate them and thankful for them. And we are going to hear another story uh, today. And what I want us to, I, I keep mentioning this because I want you to understand, we believe that this program, this discipleship ministry, we're walking through the 12 steps or 12 biblical foundations, that we, our, our hope is not in, in regen. Okay, that's not where our hope is. Our hope is in the powerful and the precious name, say it with me, Jesus. Jesus changes everything. This is just a tool of ministry that gives us hope in the name of Jesus. And if you're struggling with hope today, let me encourage you that Jesus can give you hope. Jesus can give you Life. Jesus can give you eternal life. And what we want to do uh, today is to honor the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us that if we will honor Jesus, Jesus will reveal himself. And I'm praying this morning that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, that he would reveal himself to you today. So l- let me ask you a-, a question. Whether you've been here for 50 plus years or 15 minutes, will you listen to Jesus today? Would you listen for Jesus today? Just nod your head if if you'll do that, all right? Okay, you'll do that. All right, I'm going to give you the normal greeting for Regen. Hopefully, this is week three, hopefully you have been trained on how to respond to me. How many of you are confident that you know what you're supposed to say and when you're supposed to say it? Can I get a just like confident raise your hand, all right? Okay, I'm not, we'll see. All right, I want to give it to you, but I'm, I, I, we just got to we got to plow through. Hello, my name is John. I have a new life in Christ. I am in recovery for fear of rejection, people pleasing, and pride. Wow, you guys got it. Let's give you a hand. You guys are good. Hi, John. Notice the theme of every introduction. I have a new life in. Say it again. I have a new life in. It's not in regen. It's in Christ. That we want you to find Christ. And as I mention these and I say these three things that I have narrowed down, uh, I have a lot more, as a, a regen would teach you, I have a lot more agreements uh, with Satan than just those three. These may be the top three fear of rejection, people pleasing, and pride. And how God, or excuse me, how Satan uses these things in my life is to feel like I'm less than, or I'm not deserving, or I'm not worth it, or I don't have it all together, or I can't be used. Anybody else, you don't have to raise your hand, anybody else, can you identify with that? And I think sometimes because of the sin in our life, and honestly the unconfessed sin in our life, We tend to live in isolation thinking I'm the only one. 
And I think that's why it's so important and so valuable that these uh, men and women have been willing to stand up here and proclaim and to testify and to confess to their faith family their own agreements, the struggles that they have. And in my own life, when I think of the, the fear of rejection, the people-pleasing, and then also pride, those, those don't work real good together when you're a preacher, okay? Uh, because almost every Sunday I come in here and I think, wow, so-and-so's not here, and this person's not here, and I think last year at this time we may have had more than this, and oh, we're looking at the year-end review budget, and I can always find something negative to look at. Well, let's just pair that with my own agreements that I have with Satan and the sin struggles that I struggle with. A fear of rejection. Oh, yep, that's why they're not here. Or people-pleasing. I must not be pleasing everyone. By the way, you can't, can't do that. But that's my own warped, the, the, the agreements I have with Satan. Well, then, pride. And so if I'm not pleasing everyone, people have rejected me, well, that just feeds my self-esteem, doesn't it? Not in a healthy way. And so what we have to understand is that, and what I have to understand is that my identity is not found in the attendance of the church. And that's not easy for me. My identity is not found in, oh, Chris really thought my message was A-OK. Because, I mean, Chris's opinion is everything, Right? Right? <laughs> what I'm trying to relay to you today is that I struggle with sin just like you do. Jimmy, you were real quick to just say that. <laughs> kind of offended now. So, in a minute, we're going to talk about forgiveness. I'm going to forgive you, Jimmy. We're going to talk about amends. No. Let me just pause for a minute. I, I love Jimmy and LaRue. They have been faithful members of this church 50 plus years. Is that right? And God it continues to use them. I was in the builders class this morning, uh, one of the early connect groups, and John Martin walked up to give the prayer request like he does every single Sunday. And if you don't know, John Martin, he's, he's 97 years old has congestive heart failure, bone cancer, is taking chemo pills. He still walked up to the microphone and gave the prayer request. I'm, I'm thankful for faithful people. But I'm confessing to you today that we all have a sin problem. We all have a sin issue. And I'm thankful that Jesus can, can get me over that. Are you thankful for Jesus? And as I, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 4. And Luke chapter 4 is kind of this interesting passage, and we're going to kind of use it this morning as just a launching pad for really talking about the next three biblical foundations or the next three steps. Let me make this statement about regen. Uh, it'll, quote, be on the screen. I, I'm not, honestly, not sure where the quote came from. I'm, I'm assuming the book, but regen is for hurting people who are willing to be honest so they can be healthy. Willing to be honest so they can be 
healthy. Because what Satan wants you to think is that you are the only one that has been hurt. You're the only one, your situation's unique. No one could identify with you. No one could understand that you just need to suppress it. And realize this, that you are always going to be as sick as your secrets. That there is healthiness in confession. There's healthiness in agreeing. There's healthiness in sharing your burdens with one another. In Luke chapter 4, though, we talk about, uh, let me give you the quick context. Jesus had just about to begin his earthly ministry. He goes into the desert for 40 days, and he fasts and prays as he's about to launch his ministry. Satan comes and tips him three different times. Uh, you know, you'll notice every time that Satan, uh, Jesus was tempted by Satan there in Luke chapter 4, he responds or he defends or he attacks Satan back with Scripture. And so we must, as David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So memorizing scripture is a part of the regen ministry. And this is why, because it helps us overcome temptation. So Jesus has just come back from the temptation in the desert. And look in verse number 16, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, and it says here where he had been brought up. This is where he grew up as a child. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, I want to briefly just point out something for a second. There's a lot of, uh, I think, knowledge, learning, wisdom in this one verse. It says that Jesus, as his custom was, where did Jesus go on the Sabbath day? He went to church. Jesus was God, but he still went to church. And I think that there's this misconception, and you've probably heard it, I've, I've heard it a thousand times, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And all, although, yes, that's true, you need Jesus to be a Christian, not church, but I don't think you can be a healthy Christian unless you're a part of a local body of Christ. And Jesus, being God, made it a practice to be at church on the Lord's day. I just want to point that out to you, all right? Verse 17, he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. So the, the picture here, Jesus walks in, they give him a scroll. As was custom, somebody would get up and read uh, from the Old Testament scriptures. And it was, verse 17, he was handed the book of the prophet of Isaiah. So he's got the scroll of Isaiah. When he had opened the scroll or the book, he found the place where it was written. And so if you want to go read it, it's in Isaiah chapter 61. But here's what Jesus does. He intentionally opens up to Isaiah chapter 61, and this is what he reads from there. Look at verse number 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, uh, oppressed to proclaim the acceptable, Lord, uh, acceptable year of the Lord. What he's basically saying here is, I have come to bring freedom. Can you say freedom with me? One, two, three. Freedom. Isn't that a great word? And Jesus steps up and he reads from Isaiah 61. Uh, the Isaiah, the prophet, had prophesied that someone was going to come in the acceptable year of the Lord and he was going to set the captives free. He was going to set the oppressed free. He was going to bring freedom. And so Jesus reads this few verses of scripture and then what does he He sits down. 
Now, you may wish this morning that I would get up and read two verses of Scripture, sit down, you're free, right? Go ahead. But I want to just stop for a minute. When Jesus says the acceptable year of the Lord, what he's speaking of, what the audience would have known he was speaking of, is what the Old Testament, the Jewish uh, followers would have known was that he's speaking of the year of Jubilee. So every seven years was customary in the nation of Israel that every seven years they would, they, they would be the Sabbath year. Kind of like six days of the week on the seventh is the Sabbath, they rested. Every seven years they would rest and they would let the land rest. And every seventh, seventh year, okay, the 50th year would be the year of Jubilee. And they would set all prisoners free. All the land would go back to original owners. It was like an economic reset, the year of freedom. All debts paid. No more slaves. Everyone is free. And what Jesus then is saying, what he's proclaiming is that year, spiritual freedom, freedom from sin debt, that's what he's referencing. So then what he does is he sits down, he reads this, he's implying that spiritual freedom is here. And look what he, then as he sits down, I love this, verse 20. He closed the book, I think he probably rolled the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And look how the audience responds. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. I, I mean, I, just picture it right now. I'm, I'm done reading. I give, uh, let's give it back to Stefan. We're giving the scroll back to Stefan. And then I just sit down here. Go back to my seat. Silence. Silence is awkward, isn't it? And they just stare at Jesus like, uh, is that it? This isn't normal. This isn't what you did last week. This isn't, how many of you like, really like routine? Anytime routine is messed up, it's like, uh. So as they're staring and the awkward stares, this is what he says. He began to say to them, today, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What he's saying is that person that the prophet Isaiah said would bring freedom from sin, it's me. I'm the Messiah. I'm, I'm Jesus, the name above all names. There's no other name in heaven and earth by which you must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus that gives life forgiveness of sins, eternal life. He is the hope of the world. And I want you to, to really think through this morning. Have you ever placed your faith in Jesus? Because Jesus is the only one that can give us freedom from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin has always been death, Jesus came to pay that penalty so that you could have life, so that you could have freedom. Now, as I mentioned already, we have another person who's going to come share their story today. And so I'm going to invite Cassandra Kirkendall. And if, if you're not sure who Cassandra is, she's married to Chris. Chris is the one who preached our first 
week in this series, Regen, is our uh, leading the Regen ministry. And so I appreciate Cassandra being willing and courageous enough to share her story. So could we give her a hand this morning? Thank you, Cassandra. Hi, my name is Cassandra. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from a lack of trust in God and finding security in money. I am truly grateful to have grown up in a Christian home. As a teenager, I felt called by God to be used by him, so I've served alongside my husband in full-time ministry for nine years. In 2016, we abruptly left where we were serving in Amsterdam and started our own business in my hometown in Missouri. We bought a beautiful blue farmhouse on three and a half acres of land <laughs> surrounded by beautiful <clears throat> maple trees, a dream I had always had. This property was like balm to my weary soul after some ministry wounds. But in 2018, we found ourselves on the wrong end of a bad business deal, and we were in over $300,000 worth of business debt. Anxiety and fear of the what-ifs were controlling my mind. What if these creditors show up on our doorstep? Can they get into our bank account? How will this affect our kids? <clears throat> so we eventually made the painful decision to sell our farmhouse and move to Texas to pursue a job for my husband and found ourselves back at Hallmark where our ministry first began. I began Regen as a formality of going through the curriculum in order to become a leader and help run the program at Hallmark. I convinced myself I wasn't really struggling with anything major, but pride was blinding me, so I didn't see that I was looking towards money to make all my problems go away. If we have no business debt, then we will be happy. I was just going to grind it out alone and figure out a way to make this all go away. I was stuck in a cycle of dwelling on our debt, worry, and anxiety. I would pray about it, but still believed it was mostly our part to do the work. I was so inwardly focused on my own problems, I thought God would only be able to use me once all this debt was gone and we were normal again. <laughs> um, I did have some initial fears before I went to Regen, like, I don't have any hidden secrets. What am I going to talk about? What's going on in my life seems insignificant. But when I began going through groundwork, I was able to share what I had bottled up inside with the ladies in my group. They listened and they loved me. I was able to be completely honest without any worry of judgment or gossip. I recognized some agreements I had been believing. I felt like God had abandoned me to deal with uh, my own bad decisions alone. But that was a lie the enemy had whispered. Now I see Jesus was with me all along. And through my heartbreak and pain, he was extending an invitation to get to know him, the real him. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Through religious fog, I used to view him as Jesus who died for my sins and secured eternity for me with him in heaven. But now I view him with new eyes. He has saved me from myself. He created me with a specific purpose on this earth. He is intricately involved in every single detail of my life. He paints sunsets just for me to behold his glory. 
he sends a bright red cardinal flashing by, just make me smile and grow my faith. He sends hawks to fly overhead to remind me that he is with me. My goals are now not just financial freedom. Through his grace, I've had an awakening. I want people to know who this true Jesus is. He's not just a distant religious figure, but someone who loves you deeply and just wants your whole heart. He won't ever stop pursuing you. He loves you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you freedom. Will you let down your walls and let him in? Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. My name is Cassandra, and I have a new life in Christ. Thank you, Cassandra. As seems to be a common theme in these three stories is that Satan is a deceiver. Satan is a liar. Do you agree with that? And that oftentimes, many times, most of the time, when we are not open and transparent and willing to share the struggles we are going through, the lies just continue. And Satan, uh, I, I vividly remember last week when, when Toby shared her story. She said that after the tragic, tragic event, she immediately realized what she had done and she fell to her knees and she confessed. And Jesus forgave her. I'm, I'm glad forgiveness is instant with God. I'm glad that no matter what we do, what problems we face, what sins we commit, that when we confess them, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. However, although we live in salvation and grace, Satan uses and lies to us to keep us to be ineffective because we are less than. Because not as many people are showing up, therefore you can't be doing everything right. Or the fear of the debt just crushes you. And, and so what we want you to understand is that, that Hallmark wants to be a place of transparency. Where we can openly confess that we are struggling with something because we're always going to be as sick as our secrets. That just as God willingly opens his arms and offers forgiveness, we as a church willingly want to open our arms and walk with you to allow you to be used to the full potential that God has for you. Now, we have gone through the six biblical foundations. There are six more to go through. Let me just give you a quick review. The first week, Chris taught on the first three steps. That was that you need to admit, you need to believe, and you need to trust. This is the simple gospel message. Regen is about the gospel. It's our identity in Christ. Have a new life in Christ. And this morning, what I want to just take a moment to say, if you haven't walked through these first three steps, admit that you're a sinner Romans 3 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Admit that. The second step is to believe. Believe that Jesus died for you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that 
Whoever believes in him, they will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And then the third step is to trust. Trust that Jesus is the only way, that he is the truth, that he is the life. There is no way to God except through Jesus. Admit, believe, and trust. Now, we're not done with the service yet, but I want to just ask you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want to give an opportunity to someone in the room that maybe has not taken these three steps. Admitting you're a sinner, believing Jesus died for you, and trusting that Jesus is the only way to God. And right now, in in this moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and it's a prayer of confession. It's a prayer of these three steps, admitting, believing, and trusting. And if you would like to place your faith in Jesus for eternal life, for freedom from the penalty of sin, which was death, I'm going to invite you right now to pray right where you're at. You may say something like this, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. And in this moment, I'm placing my hope in Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to save me. As our eyes are closed, if anyone in the room has prayed that prayer today in this moment, would you just put your hand up for a moment? Everyone's eyes are closed. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. Anyone else? Just put it up high. Anyone else? I prayed that prayer today. And I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer today, whether you're online, you're in the room, tell someone about that before you leave today. At the close of the service when we sing, I'm going to be standing in the front row. At the end of the service, I'll be out in the foyer. You can scan the QR code. You can let us know you made that decision. You can pull the card out of the pew in front of you. If you're online, send us a message. We just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. I'm going to ask everyone to look back up. Could we celebrate for that person that gave their life to Christ today? Praise the Lord for that. The next three we went over last week. Number four, inventory. Uh, dare to acknowledge. You might have a problem, all right? I know that's tough for you to think about. But David prayed, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. God, reveal the sin in my life. And here's the step. I want to I take inventory when God reveals sin in my life. Remember the, the story of don't go remove the speck out of your friend's eye while you got the big log in your own eye. Like when God reveals sin in my life, The next step is I'm going to confess it. I'm going to live in agreement with God. Yes, God, this is a habit I have. This is an agreement I have. I'm confessing that I have done X, Y, and Z. All right, so I'm going to do inventory, which leads me to confession, then which leads me to the next step, and that is repent. So confession is just an agreement. Yes, God, I have done that thing. Repentance is the next step to say, God, I don't want to do that thing anymore. I'm turning in a different direction. I'm turning towards you. I want to live and the freedom that you paid for. Jesus came to give us freedom. That's this idea of salvation. We are free from the penalty of sin, freedom. That's the greatest freedom anyone could get. Freedom from the penalty of sin, which is death. What we are in the middle of now is freedom from the power of sin, which the theological term, sanctification. 
I'm in the process, you're in the process of becoming more like Christ. One day, when we get to heaven, we're moving from the freedom from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, to the freedom of the presence of sin. And when we enter in the presence of God, there'll be no more sin, no more crying, no more death, no more pain, no more hurt. Are you looking forward to that day? So we have salvation, sanctification, and one day, glorification. We'll have a glorified new life with Christ. So we have just a few minutes, and I'm gonna, we're going to go through the next three steps, okay? If you want a detailed understanding of the, these three steps, go out there when you leave, sign up for Regen, okay? Get some more information about it. Here's step number seven, follow all right, we're talking about expressing our freedom. Dare to follow Christ. I think this could be summarized really in two statements. Take up your cross and follow him. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. Surrender to God. This is not a one-time thing. Every single day, I need to wake up and say, God, I'm dying to self I'm surrendering to your will. It's the prayer Jesus prayed in the garden right before they arrested him. Remember, he said, Lord, if there's any other way to bring freedom from the penalty of sin, let's, let's try that. And then what did he end his prayer with? Okay, God, not my will, but yours. I deny myself. I follow him. I want to follow Christ. And, and so you need to ask your question, yourself the question. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Daily, are you seeking God? Daily, are you denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him? All right, number eight, forgive. We could spend a whole week on this idea of forgiveness. I want to point out one verse, Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Maybe you've heard this statement, hurting people hurt people. Have you guys ever heard that statement? Hurting people hurt people. Here's another statement that I think should be just as powerful, but I'm not sure it is all the time. Forgiven people forgive people. When you understand the depths of forgiveness that God has granted to you through the death of Jesus on the cross, then it should lead you to willingly forgive. I want to discount, the, the, the truth is I know people in this room have been severely hurt. And there's been things done to people in this room that should never ha happen to anyone. I, I don't want to discount pain or hurt or the suffering. But I, what I do want us to understand, it doesn't compare to the pain and the hurt and the suffering Jesus took for you. And based on what he was willing to do for me, I should be willing to do for others. Hurt people hurt people, but forgiven people forgive people. If we live in the reality of the grace of God, oh, it, it changes perspective, as Soya was talking about. When our perspective is on what Christ did for us on the cross, wow, it makes life a lot easier. This may shock you, but some people don't like me.
I, just, I mean, I know I'm pretty perfect, but this may shock you. Chris asked this question a few weeks ago. How many of you in church have been hurt by someone in church? And a lot of people raise their hand, and my, my assessment is not everyone that could have raised their hand raised their hand. But as a follower of Jesus, when people hurt me, what does God expect of me? To forgive. Listen to this statement. I've, I've got tons of quotes, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the last one if you're running the screens by Corey Tinboom. She's a Holocaust survivor. Forgiveness is the key which unlocks the door of resentment, the handcuffs of hatred. It breaks the chains of bitterness and shackles of selfishness. I'm, I'm going to leave that on the screen for a minute. You might want to take your phone out and take a picture of that. The, the old saying goes that when you offer forgiveness, you set a prisoner free, only to find out the prisoner was me. Forgiveness. I don't have time to read it, but read Matthew 18, 23-35. Okay, go home this week. If you're struggling with forgiveness, Matthew 18, 23-35. It's just a parable of someone who was forgiven a great debt, but wasn't willing to forgive someone else's debt. Okay? The last, the last one, number nine, amends. Take, dare to take responsibility. Simply put, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, 23 through 24, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Amends is simply saying and owning up to the fact that I may, just maybe, this, this may shock you too, I may offend people at times. Hey, good, you didn't laugh at that one. Maybe that's not good that you didn't laugh. I'm not sure. A few years ago, I was, I was ticked off at somebody on staff. This was maybe, maybe 12 years ago now. I was ticked off. It wasn't anything they did. It wasn't anything necessarily I did. I just had a bad attitude. I know that surprises you. But I went to that person, and I said, hey, I, I need to ask your forgiveness. I've been mad at you, and here's why. He was like, what? I had to own up to my own sin and to go say, hey, will you forgive me? Amends, confessing. I'm offended you, and I'm I'm sorry. It's not, it's not contingent on their response. They may not forgive you. But that's not the goal. The goal is to walk in obedience. We can't, listen, in the Christian life, we can't ever just be outcome focused. We have to be obedience focused. That God has called me to forgive as, as he has forgiven me. God has called me, if I have offended, to go make amends. It's not outcome focused, it's obedience focused focused. So in summary this morning, what I want us to understand is God, Jesus came, he stood before in the synagogue, he read Isaiah 61, and he said, I am he, I am the one that has come to bring 
freedom. And what I want you to understand that as we walk with Christ, He gives freedom. Freedom from our pain, freedom from our hurt, freedom from our problems, freedom from the penalty of sin, freedom from the guilt and shame of sin. Jesus offers freedom. Could we say freedom together? It's such a great word. On the count of three, would you just say freedom? One, two, three. Freedom. Jesus offers freedom. And he offered that by dying. He died for you.